Hello and welcome. You're listening to Nature's a Hoot with Tom Marath and Hannah Shaw, the wildlife podcast from the Hawk Conservancy Trust. As you know, we're all about birds at the Trust, but birds don't live alone. They are part of a whole ecosystem. So the podcast is our chance to take a more general look at wildlife beyond birds. If you're itching to know more about biodiversity or barn owls, or eager to explore the world of woodlands and wetlands, basically, if you like wildlife, you're in good company. And you don't need to be an expert. We've got that covered as we're joined by some of the greatest voices in conservation to tell us more about what's happening right now in the wild world around us. So Hannah, we've got a slightly different uh, episode this week, a bit of a kind of a special episode really, because, well, last week we had a bit of a go at doing each other's jobs, didn't we? Yeah, it was fun. I had a, I had a good day. <laughs> both days. Yeah, so did I, actually. I feel like uh, maybe maybe we're just both in the wrong jobs and we just do a straight swap at some point, yeah. because obviously <laughs> we were both equally as good at each other at each other's jobs, but uh, <laughs> but it was, it was really good fun. So uh, coming up in a short while, um, you'll all be able to have a listen in on how I got on as a member of the Conservation and Research Department alongside Hannah. Uh, as we went out in search of some of uh, the British birds of prey in the local countryside. Yeah. And also, Hannah, you were part of the bird team, weren't you? Yeah, I did. I had a great day um, exploring what it's like to be on the bird team, which was definitely new for me. I don't get to, um, you know, have those close encounters with the birds, so it was wonderful. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because you're kind of on site here more or less every day, and the birds are around you, but actually kind of getting hands-on involved with them is kind of it it's a uh, it eludes you a little bit sometimes doesn't it yeah absolutely it's definitely different um but it was really nice it's nice you know the, the birds we all talk about everybody talks about it's nice to actually get a bit of time with them you know to see their personalities and um and just get stuck in and see what you guys do on a daily basis I mean I know I just see you running around like mad people <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we are all mad people. Yeah, so, you're obviously so busy, um, but yeah, it was, it was really nice to um, be part of that. So that's coming up in the next few minutes. So, how are things with you, Tom? How is how's the garden? How's late summer looking? Late summer is looking very nice. I've um, I've been a little bit. Uh, I don't know, a little bit lax on my grass cutting, but so I know I. that we've got a very healthy population of uh, short-tailed voles in the garden oh. uh, because I can see them scurrying around in the in the flower beds and things. So there's, yeah, there's plenty of like barn owl and tawny owl food around in my garden, which is great. Oh, that's nice. Um, how about yours? How's, how's your garden? Um, well, I don't have any small mammals. But I do have um, an elephant hawk moth caterpillar, which I was absolutely thrilled ah. with. <laughs> yeah, I saw um, this. I so, saw you um, you post that on Twitter, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I don't... Goodness knows how it ended up in my garden, because hawk moth caterpillars feed on um, willow herbs, usually rose bay willow herb, but they also will feed on fuchsia and other species of willow herb. But I've probably got two or three small willow herb plants, which are weeds, basically, um, and one really small fuchsia plant. Um, 
so I found him just in the middle of the lawn and thought, oh, where have you come from? And a little bit worried. I thought maybe I'll take him into work and release him in the meadow. But in the meantime, I made, <laughs> I made him his own snack pot of said fuchsia and all the willow herb I could find in the garden. And actually, he's doing really well. He seems, he, I say he, um, seems quite happy and is eating and hanging out in the pot. Um, yeah, so I think I'll probably wow. tuck it into a corner somewhere in, in the garden because I've got like a wildlife corner which is quite messy with um, some, you know, the piles of my chopped off uh, wildflowers and a bit of compost and wood pile. So I think I'll tuck the pot in there so that he can go down and get into the soil for the winter Um, because they overwinter as a chrysalis so obviously I've looked all this up to find out all about them to make sure I can look after him Um, yeah and fingers crossed I might have an elephant hawk moth in the spring (laughs) you've got a lodger there you're like an airbnb (laughs) for for caterpillars and moths excellent now that sounds fun (laughs) yeah that sounds really fun um there's been a a lot going around actually it's kind of hard to keep a a level head with a quite a lot of kind of eco-anxiety going on, you know, with the, the report that came yeah. out, basically not, yeah, with the IPCC yeah, not being particularly, how should we say, uh, particularly optimistic about the current state of our climate and, and our natural world, which, yeah. let's face it, that, that came as no real uh, surprise to all of us. But um, it's hard to kind of stay positive about this sort of thing, isn't it? Well, I think we've spoken about this before. Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it's really hard. Sometimes it just feels really hopeless, doesn't it? Because it just feels like it's so overwhelming and there's so much we need to think about. Um, there was an article recently that I think you read as well um, by Sophie Pavel, one of our previous guests. That friend of the show. Yeah, friend, friend <laughs> of the podcast. Um, <laughs> she wrote a really interesting and really thought-provoking article about um, eco-anxiety and how that links to this younger generation sort of millennial generation making the decision to not have children because of their eco guilt Mm. which I just I mean I found it quite it was a really good article but it's just really sad because it's like it feels like it's been put on the shoulders of this generation that they have to you know make that make that life-changing decision Mm. um of perhaps not having children because of how messed up the world is. How does it make you feel, Tom? I know you are in a I, special yeah. position with it. I'm in a very special position because, uh, so I learned uh, a number of weeks ago now that in early 2022, I, I'm going to be a dad. I'm so happy. Um, and that I'm is so the single most <laughs> exciting thing that's ever happened in my life, I have to say. Yeah. Like, it is totally totally wonderful and I, I feel emotional saying that to you now yeah. like it is the biggest thing ever to happen but this uh this article that you're talking about did kind of come at an opportune time and I I think it is it's twofold so there's once there's there's two sides to this guilt firstly being the the addition we know that whatever a human being does we have an impact on our world yeah. um and, and not always a, a negative impact you know we, we have a lots of people that have a, a very positive impact on the world and, ch- and changing things for the good but yeah. we know that we have uh, a level of um you know a carbon footprint etc on our on our ecosystem um the other side of the guilt is kind of aside from everybody else 
it's trying to be forward thinking about the the type of world that this child of mine whoever they are is going to be growing up in um yeah and and what that's going to be like to yeah. cope with for them because you know already we're seeing the world changing and not always for the better um and, and how they're going to have to deal with that um and I think, I mean, one of the other arguments that, that I've seen out there quite a lot kind of against this feeling that you shouldn't have children if you are supportive of, you know, a greener way of living and, and, and wanting to, to, to change things for the better, not to have children. Something against that has been, you know, how many, how many people are having children uh, who, you know, maybe don't agree that the climate is changing because of human beings or, or really just kind of fairly apathetic about the whole thing. And those people not engaging with that will still continue to, to have children. And kind of you need to, I don't know, maybe balance the scales a little bit between people who, you know, want to try and make things better and, and want to try and teach about conservation and, and uh, uh, live in a greener lifestyle compared to, you know, maybe people that are not quite so interested in it or, or yeah. haven't, haven't had the privilege to learn about that sort of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think you're... Yeah, it's really a tough. It's really tough, and I completely agree with you. I think that people who, like you, who, you know, care about the world and want to bring up someone who's gonna, who is also gonna care, and yeah, potentially have a really positive impact. That absolutely, those people should be having children and bringing up the next generation. Because otherwise, what are we left with? <laughs> like, yeah. it's just really sad. Yeah, um, I mean, there is this. There's this particular line that I picked out from Sophie's um, Sophie's article here, and it says, "As someone working in the conservation sector, if I do have children one day, will I be called a hypocrite?" And I've definitely felt that myself. That it's like, oh, so you know, sad. we bang on this show about, um, you know, we want to try and do better for our planet, the little things we can all do, and is I'm kind of thinking to myself, is that all kind of wiped out by this choice that? that I've made, like all the good things I could do doesn't anywhere near make up for the negative potential impact that a child's going to have. You know, I'm thinking, um, you know, the things we've kind of prepared ourselves with at the moment, like nappies. I mean, crikey, the nappies I had as a kid are probably still out there somewhere, <laughs> like not mm. yet biodegraded. Um, and we're kind of, between my partner and I, Amy and I have decided to kind of, as much as we can, go on the, you know, the more eco- yeah, eco-aware side of things and kind of have uh, reusable nappies and, and, and having everything kind of eventually toys and things that are either second-hand or they're, they're made from sustainable um, resources. Yeah. Um, so there's so there's so much to think about. I think you can really make a lot of difference if you think in that way, definitely. Just, I've been trying to do that. I think just even... Yeah, just buying new stuff is is just one mm. of those things, isn't it? And there's so much stuff already. Like you could easily, um, you know, go about your life and when you have your child, without buying any mm. new stuff. Like because there's already so much stuff, and people aren't using the stuff we already have. Yeah, well, we we are about four and a half months until kind of D Day in early Jan in mid January. Sorry. And uh, so far, I reckon only about, I don't know, maybe 10% of what we've bought so far is like first hand. And they're kind of things yeah. that, that, you know, you're kind of advised not to buy 
second hand so kind of anything like a mattress yeah. or sleeping arrangements for them yeah um, yeah but you know we've we've bought a buggy second hand we've got loads of second hand clothes from the charity shop and okay yes we're doing our yeah. we're doing it from a conservation and eco-friendly point of view but it's really good for the pocket as well because you know notoriously Absolutely. children they're, they're going to break this person's going to break my bank as I, as I, uh, <laughs> as they grow older, I know that. So at this stage, whilst they oh. pretty much don't care what they're going to wear, um, we'll make the choice of um, of them having stuff from the charity shop. I feel for you because um, you're like in that position right now, and I don't want you to feel guilty. I think you should be happy because I think it's great. <laughs> oh, def- I'm definitely happy, and and to be honest, it's hard to engage with uh, the article in a serious way because my mind is already on I've made the right decision because of how I yeah. feel um and, oh, that's and there good. Is, I'm glad I guess as a kind of secondary factor there is a bit of guilt about not feeling that guilty you know it's kind of it's yeah so, it's so hard isn't topic. it yeah I know what I you mean, mean how do you how do you feel about it have you I mean it's like a personal question but have you kind of made a decision or you you know it could happen or it might not happen or what um I I feel <sighs> <laughs> I feel you don't the same have to answer. You. I no no it's okay. Um no, I haven't made a decision either way. Right. Um completely. So for quite a long time I thought I had made a decision one way um to not have children, right. but a few things have changed in the last few years and I've sort of climbed back on the fence. <laughs> okay. As it were. Mm. Um so it could still happen, you never know. Um but yeah. I haven't ruled it out and e- I haven't ruled it out either way. So, and certainly, you know, I, if I decided that I wanted to, I don't think I would want the same as you. I would want that to get in the way of that if I did really want to have children. So, I think the take home from lots of these issues and problems is that uh, we can only do as much as we can do. So, so long as at each moment and at each kind of uh, crossroads of decision making about having a child you're you are considering impact and you're you've got that in the back mm. of your mind that whatever you do does make an impact and you get a choice in most cases as to how much of an impact you make absolutely yeah i think it's it's one of those it's about sharing everything as well i think that's sort of what sort of knocked me back in to considering it is i feel like there's just so much yeah in nature and in the world that i want i would want to share with chil- with a child or yeah hmm. i don't know how to explain it you know it's a, it's a massive topic and it's yeah. uh, it's easy to fall down a rabbit hole on this one yeah really it'd actually be interesting to know uh, how our listeners feel as well and if, yeah. i know that we've got a few listeners that are kind of of a similar age of that millennial generation that seems to be most affected um, if this is something that you've been thinking about maybe uh, going forward in your lifestyle or maybe you've already got children and there's things that you do uh, to try and limit the impact that you have on the ecosystem and the, and the climate then we'd love to hear from you i would certainly like as many kind of top tips really on how to be eco-friendly with a child that would be very helpful to me um so as always you can email us which is podcast at hawkconservancy.org or you can get in touch on our normal social media platforms um and also if you want to read the article for yourself you just put sophie pavel uh sophie pavel into metro it was a it was a article that was written in metro yeah. uh, in in mid-august at 16th of august so it's relatively easy to find put a name in it kind of blew up a bit on twitter yeah it did. so uh 
pretty easy to find there if you look up Sophie Pavel. So, Hannah, we spent a bit of time with each other out doing each other's jobs, and I wanted to introduce the first of these, which was when I came out into the field with you to do a transect. You were very patient with me. Was I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, well, you'll hear in the next couple of minutes um, how the equipment didn't really agree with me, did it? <laughs> Scientific equipment, just, uh, yeah, we're not friends, but... Um, We'll, we'll leave it to our audience to, to see how I got on. Have a listen to this. Hannah, I'm going to be CNR today. Yeah. <laughs> Whereabouts are we? So we're near Ampfield. Okay. So we have, we have set routes that were given by Dr Matt Stevens. And Dr. this is for our, for our bird of prey transex. So I can show you the map. We can oh pause. yeah, that'll be good. Um, so is it quite strict, the ones that you stick to? And is it, is it the same one every year? So you can kind um, of look back between the He year uses year? the same maps every year, yeah. yeah. Um, so he has a grid network. And then in the grid, he'll have a square within the grid and then he makes a route in that square. So that's our square okay and then this is the route that he's made the red dotted line on the on the map how long's our route do you know um they're usually between eight and twelve kilometers i think this one's about nine or ten wow <laughs> we better get walking <laughs> so yeah you get really fit doing this work yeah then. you get super fit doing it so i warmed up i did my stretches and it was time for me to do my very first transect so what you do is you walk around and you look for birds of prey and then when you find them you record them. So other than the recording bit, it's kind of what a lot of us get up to on the weekends anyway. Exactly, yeah. Obviously like you see people and people are always very interested in what you're doing. It's quite nice sometimes because you can get to tell people what we're doing. That's true. I didn't in really a sort of that. a different um, a different circumstance to normal. So you're like doing outreach education whilst you're actually out. Is there something sitting on that birds? post over there? Uh, oh no, I can a, see it. It is a pigeon. Is it? It's a pigeon. For sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I can see it turning. That happens a lot, doesn't it, when you're lots looking of, for like of, interesting uh, things? Yeah, lots of pigeons. <laughs> Lots of posts that look like kestrels. So we have an app where we record everything. And there's an option on the app for how sure you are. Okay. This is our own app? Yeah. Um, so can yeah. I see the app? Yeah, have I can you got show it? you the app, yeah. I'll keep an eye on the sky while you're on the phone. You do that. So, it's called My Survey 123. <laughs> and then, so I... I don't have the autumn transects on there yet, so I'll be starting that in September. Okay. So I'll just go into the So I can see there's last one. year's autumn one and then this year's spring one. Yeah, exactly, okay. and then there'll be one for autumn. So at the moment we're doing summer transects. Okay. So we go into that. And so you do them in this, you do them right from the spring, right round through? Yeah, so they're in sets. So we have spring and autumn, which is part of the main sort of data collection. And that's been, we've been doing that for since 2011. Right. So that was the first set of data was 2011 to 2016. 
and then the next set is um, there's a, a blue butterfly. Oh yes, one <laughs> blue. It's a common blue, isn't I it? I think so. Yeah. Um, and then the next set is 2007. The next four years, so 17, 18, 19, 20, and now we're into a new set from 21 to. Okay. Yeah, I understand. The next four years. Um, so Matt's already analysed and published on the first set, the 2011 to 16, and that's the two papers that he recently, I say recently, in science, in science land, <laughs> it's recent, but it Everything was end of 2019, <laughs> beginning of t 2020, so about a year ago, a bit okay. more than a year ago, he published on the p buzzard and red kite numbers. Oh yeah, and people can read that, can't they? Yeah, actually, so that's on, on our website. website. So yeah, so this is what the, transit, uh, the app looks like. So you have, you put in your observer name, so I scroll down to Hannah, put in Hannah, and then you put in your route. So we're actually that one, H, okay. oops, no, not that one, H7, Ampfield. First entry for the transect, and then... And you put in all the information for yeah, your spot, so where you are. Date and time you started it, and then you, your latitude, longitude, and then this is the observations. Okay. Comes up once you put that in. So if we were spot something, say now, we'd yeah. have to record what time. Yeah. So it tells you. We it gives you the time. Oh, okay. So unless you've spotted it twenty minutes ago and you're you having your lunch and then you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then you then you just leave the you time as it is. There, yeah. And then you can put your species. So it gives you your species. We do ravens as well. Hey. So oh, we've even got owls on there. Fun. So people must have been spotting owls. Um, yeah. So buzzard. Red kite, kestrel, probably the most commonly seen ones, yeah. and then you spar sparrowhawk, peregrine, hobby. Oh, I did see a hobby once. Distance and uh, bearing. So this is the important stuff because the distance is how far away from the transect the bird okay. is. Yeah. And then that's how you get the idea of how many birds there are in landscapes so yes. you do a um, extrapolation on that on what you get from word. the <laughs> from the transect so do you want to have a go you can although we can't see a bird right now no, you can can't. have a go at distancing okay. something right. so you look through there nope. and then yep. it should be oh yeah and then you press this button here so there's a power button on the top and a mode button on the, the top. mode don't worry about the mode okay so it needs to be something that's fairly stationary so this is what we it's a trick actually because if you've got a bird flying you need to sort of know approximately where on the ground or some sort of landmark on the ground i see the bird is over right um so it does take a bit of practice to sort of have an understanding of distances because you can't catch a moving bird <laughs> with the rangefinder. It doesn't like it. So press your power button as you as, and you should. So there I'm should be a number. A, tree. That, a number should come up. Is it? It might be too far away. Try one of those trees. Yeah, focusing on my tree. Does it give you a number? No. <laughs> All right. Look on the side of it. Hannah was very patient with me. Unfortunately, the equipment didn't seem to want to play ball. As you're here now. Can you press the one? Oh. And then the straight. Oh, you've pressed the mode button. Oh, I've pressed the mode button. <laughs> How am I not cut out for this? <laughs> Have I broke it? No. You just. There you go. Oh. Right. So press this one. Press that top button. <laughs> Looking at my tree. You changed it to something else, I don't know what. And then the side and the straight 
you press the mode button again? I didn't press the mode button. I pressed the mode button. As you might be able to tell, <laughs> this went on for some time. And eventually, Hannah had to take back the equipment to fix it. Not my finest hour, I have to admit. So with equipment usage not mastered, I took the opportunity to ask Hannah why we were doing this work in the first place. And so once you've got all of the data down and you've recorded everything you've seen, how is that helping us with our project? Like what can we do with that information? Well, so it's quite important data because it takes into account all the birds in the, or effectively all the birds in the landscape because you're looking as far as you can see and you're recording not just breeding birds so a lot of bird surveys and bird population studies are just about breeding birds um, but this is a way of doing it that takes into account young birds as well so juvenile birds um, you know birds that might not already be paired up let's let's put our the rest of our details in okay so distance and then you want your bearing well, I've got a compass on my phone. Doesn't work as well. Doesn't it? No. So then, so you, then you take your compass. compass. I'm going to look at that. Yeah. And you get the bearing of the compass by moving the top dial. It's very difficult to explain if people are just listening, but you want to get your bearing from the transect, basically. Okay. And then, once you've got your bearing from the transect, you put that in, and then that's when you've got the option to say whether it's a different bird or not. So we yeah. think it's a new bird. And then you put cloud, it's lots of things. Cloud cover, behaviour of the bird, habitat, where the habitat, so what? So, so like these, this is a... You get options. Ah, crop So field this would be crop, or, yeah. yeah. Um, and you can put a, a second class as well, like if it's over a hedgerow maybe. Okay. Um, or they're flying over woodland but you're yeah, in a crop field. But, yeah, okay. exactly. And then location. So that's really the most important. The phone actually picks up the location Your GPS yeah but to be safe we use a proper GPS as well okay. and we put the location in and then you get a nice map which hopefully this will work this is quite cool yeah so look this is us in the ah, in the landscape look at that. and it shows you where you are so we're there within the transect that we've already got exactly plumbed in this is where it happens but it doesn't happen quickly because we've not seen anything yet. No. Now I know what you're thinking. How's Tom getting on with that rangefinder now? Well, no. Right, once. Pressing yeah. it. Are you, are you focusing on something? Just what, no, don't hold it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sound like rubbish at this. I got that tree, 349 metres. Well, it's just staying lines for me. No metres away. I think it's broken. I think it's operator broken. error, to be honest. I understand this is like absolutely riveting for radio. <laughs> <laughs> Can't see what we're seeing. So we're basically looking through a yellow binoculars, but it's only got one Angle. eyepiece. Height. And it's obviously using, I don't know, a series of mirrors or something to kind of bounce it around and tell us how far away something is. And Hannah's got it to work once. And just as I thought all was lost, as always, Wildlife had a way of surprising us and rewarding us. Do you want to walk for a bit more? Yeah. There's yeah. one, there's one. Look! <laughs> what is it? That's a buzzard. It's got to be a buzzard or a kite. I think it's a kite. It's a kite, isn't it? Yeah. So we're going to say it's flying over crops and a hedgerow. 
Yeah, so hedgerow and yeah, going over crop field. Oh, and it, it you went would over say that tree. Whether it's flying directly or soaring, what do you think? It's gone. It was flapping its wings, wasn't it? As I'd in moving from directly. A to B. Yeah. Rather than circling. That's probably turned itself off now, so give it a bash again without pressing the mode button. I'm not gonna press mode. <laughs> I, it was kinda of flying over that tree, I so I'm gonna try is, to get that, that tree is a good shout. Distance. So I'm just Okay, here we go. <laughs> I can't use this equipment. It doesn't like me. It doesn't ever done that when I use it. I think it might be because I've replaced the battery. Well, hang on. Yeah, 170. Yeah, well done. Oh, well, 169.5. Yeah, so, so you want the straight line, the 169.4, because you will have. What you, you did was. I'm so pleased it worked. You were a little bit. Because this is downhill. Where yep. you were pointing was a little bit below straight. Got you. So, so we want the straight line distance. Lovely. Brilliant. Which is why it's easier to use something on the land, on the ground below where the bird is. Yeah. And obviously, because if you do, it's because you don't know how high the bird's flying. Yeah. If you did the distance like that up to the bird, it could be like a kilometre up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which course. is obviously a completely it different place. Doesn't make sense. Okay, well that's turned <laughs> itself off. Great. Fab. Saw a bird. On. See if we can see yeah, let's more. see if we can see something else. Oh, do you know, I'm so pleased we've seen something. Oh, this must be quite, well, maybe not great, but I know the field next door, when we walk past there, that could be quite good for barn owls as well in the evening, couldn't it? Oh, look, 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 look. Buzzard. Yes. Is it? Great. Well, that's good. Two birds, two yeah, species. Yeah, yeah. So let's just get the GPS for this oh, one. Oh, sorry, yeah, go on. I'm too excited now. <laughs> okay, sh shall I show you how we use the GPS? Yeah. Or you, you know how to use the GPS. No. Oh. No? Take, oh, it's going to take a million years to acquire I think I'm like Bear Grylls or something. Like I've gone out and done, <laughs> done GPS. Sometimes the GPS is a bit temperamental, so you have to walk up and down to get it to work. Okay. To pick up all the satellites. So we're heading back to the vehicle now. Hannah, how have I done? Oh, you've done very well, Tom. Have I? Uh, apart from the blip with the rangefinder. Yes, okay. <laughs> you've been a good spotter. So what we do try to do, and we, what I have been doing on the transect, is letting you spot, because normally you would um, walk it one person. Okay. So if you've got two people, you're sort of doubling effort. Yes. Which isn't good scientifically. So you were the spotter. So and I just tried recording. to keep quiet and let you spot. Okay. <laughs> so you've seen all sorts of amazing <laughs> yeah, birds. Yeah, I've, I've seen like, peregrines and <laughs> <laughs> sea okay. eagles. Yeah. So I, so I could just quit my job on the bird team then and I'll and come and join be a spotter. CNR <laughs> as a spotter. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Do you know, I was so pleased that we actually managed to see something on a transect. Like, I was really worried yes. we'd go out and it'd be one of those days, which I know you get, where you walk and walk and walk and nothing. Yeah. Nada. No birds. <laughs> yeah. It does happen and it is can be quite soul-destroying sometimes if you see absolutely nothing. I don't think I've had a total zero transect. Um, you know, I've seen 
but I've definitely had transits where I've seen maybe just two red kites for the whole time, which that can, is obviously... That can be hours and hours and hours, can't it? I mean, I, I came on exactly, you know, just yeah. one, well, relatively short compared to some of them, um, and uh, managed yeah. to see a couple. So, yeah, if you saw two red kites in like five hours or something, then <laughs> it's pretty demoralising. Um, what did we see? So we saw, we definitely saw a few buzzards and we and a couple of red kites. No kestrels, unfortunately, on our one. No. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had um, similar transects where that's pretty good. If you see some buzzers and red kites, it's still good. It's good data. Um, yeah, but obviously kestrels are the. What's, sort of, what's the uh, best day you've had? Oh God, I don't know. I mean, I've had days where you're counting so many red kites, or you'll count a group of red kites, and then you'll see another group in the distance in a different direction which can be confusing because then you've got to work out how far away those ones are because it'd be a different data Mm. point and then but then you might miss some of them while you're still counting the first lot um yeah i've definitely had days of um probably between 20 and 30 birds in total i think so most of those would be red kites but um i think the most number of species i've had is is five or six so probably red kite, buzzard, kestrel, uh, sparrowhawk, hobby. Oh, yeah, had... you said about the hobby. Yeah. That was that must have been a great day. Yeah, really good. Yeah. So, I mean, and raven. I've seen ra- a few ravens here and there as well. So yeah, that's a good day. A I think up, a big up to the a ravens. Good day when we love you... a raven. Yeah, I love a raven as well. It's a good day if you see a kestrel. It's a good day. So the very next day, Hannah, we came back after that long walk, uh, spotting birds of prey, and it was time for you to get involved with working with the birds in some of our displays. Yes. How did you find it? <laughs> um, I loved it. You were good, by the way. <laughs> like you, you had a way with the birds, which was which not everybody really. Has. Oh, okay, good. That's that's nice to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah, I loved it. I, it's really nice, like I said earlier, to get the, to get to know the birds personalities a bit and and just and getting there's still something really exciting about going inside the aviary you know you're going into their home oh yeah um, you're in their space with them yeah in their space and it's it's so different i mean you look you you know you see the birds in their aviaries um or in the displays or you know when other when the bird team are flying them and it's lovely watching them and seeing them but going and being actually right in there like helping in the displays and involved in the displays that was yeah it's really nice because it was you feel like you're just right in there with all the action you know is is that how you feel do you feel like that every day tom yeah i feel like that every day i feel you know you go into an aviary and you're being watched like by six pairs of eyes like waiting to come down to the scales uh yeah it's still special i think and the day that you kind of think oh this is boring now. I think that's oh. the day you should retire, to be honest, because, <laughs> you know, you sh- it should still feel exciting. And that's, I always think people get mixed up between uh, having a really fun and enjoyable job and having an easy job, because those two things aren't the same thing. Like, you can work hard and be tired at the end of the day, but still have had a really good day. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's definitely how we feel. I'm sure that's perhaps how you feel when you're yeah. doing transects or you're, you know, you're doing this, that and the other bit of uh, bit of sciencey stuff in the CNR department generally. Like you feel time, <laughs> but it's all for a good cause and you enjoy it still, hopefully. Yeah. Should we have a listen to um, to how you got on? 
Yeah. Let's listen to this. So we're going to get our equipment ready. We're just coming up to the Valley of the Eagles display. Not the Valley of the Eagles display. No, Wings of Africa. <laughs> Do you want my job straight away? What's going on. I don't, I don't. It wasn't a great start at convincing Hannah I was going to be a great teacher for the day. Have you done anything in the display before? Apart Flying from birds. only comment, no, not not flying, only commentating. Oh, okay. There, only a couple of times. So this is going to be a new experience. Not the whole display, obviously. No. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we're going into the cold room. We are into the food prep room. I'm going to get my bag ready, and then. Do you use the same bag all the time? Is that yeah, your it's bag? my bag, definitely. My you bag, my bag. glove, it's all of your own kit. And you get quite protective over your equipment and yeah. your peg. Right. You know, some <laughs> people have even like written their names on the pegs. On the so it's like, you get quite defensive over where things should be. So this is where the magic happens behind the scenes. Wow. You can see we've got some, well, a bit of fish out there on the side, ready Meal to go. Worms? Mealworms, crickets for some of the smaller birds. They're also really good for enrichment. Um, so is this a freezer? This is a fridge. Fridge. So the freezer's next door. Okay. And this is our where we kind of keep all the food, obviously a little bit fresher throughout the day. And you can see for each of the displays. It's so clean and tidy. Thank you. It's lovely. <laughs> Obviously, uh, through no fault of I'm mine. I'm sure it is all the time. It always is, yeah, yeah. absolutely, it has to be. Exactly. Obviously our birds are going to eat this food, and so it needs to be, we always like to say it needs to be clean enough that you would be happy to leave your lunch in here. Yeah. So perhaps not whilst the bird's food is in there as well, because <laughs> obviously there's a lot of, uh, a lot of raw meat happening here, which is what you might imagine the birds eat. And you can see the different displays has already got the food ready and oh, prepared wow. yeah, to go. So, so the Valley of the Eagles and the Woodland Owls, some food for uh, one of our experiences later on and the Wings of Africa food is over in the lower flying grounds which is where we're going to go next to collect our food for the show. Okay. So the music's ready and going. Setting the scene. Yes, in our savannah arena it's like a little slice of Africa in the Hampshire countryside. Watch out for caracara holes. Yes, <laughs> they're like booby traps in <laughs> yeah. the middle there aren't they? <laughs> You can see we've got our crocodile in the... Really realistic. It's super realistic because it stays totally still. <laughs> I'd love one to have like a, a little sound effect of, you know when they like rumble underneath yeah, the water and, the and we could have bubbles under it. That's what they do when they're mating, isn't it? It they is, yeah. There's bubbles that come up on the surface. So here we are, Savannah HQ. This is where the magic really does happen. So this is where we plan all of the displays. Yeah. Um, and so Gary, who's the head of the, the bird team and our head of living collection, um, he kind of decides who's doing what for the day in terms of who's going to fly which birds um, and, uh, and which birds are going to fly in each show, making sure they're all ready to, okay. to go. So this is our display for today. So we are going to be up on the balcony up here with Rowena as well. Okay. And we're also going to need to hot foot it after that up to the top of the park to let the storks out for the show. <gasps> yes. So that's going to be fun, isn't it? <laughs> so let me get your bag. 
this one will probably Stalks do. Stalks are my favourite. Are they? Yeah, in the wings of Africa. Oh, they make quite an entrance, the, don't they? Over like that. Yeah, that's fine. So you want it to be on your right hand side, which you've done. Okay, I'll get you a little bit of food. So it's um, obviously remembering that it's raw meat, so obviously wash your hands after doing this. Cause yeah. So I'll just portion it up. And that's going to be for our hooded vultures, which we're okay. going to be uh, taking part in the show with. You in. need one of these. So each day we have a, a team of people, a team of three people, who are on what we call get ready. Yeah. And that means they get ready for the shows and they weigh all the birds and get the food ready and they fly the birds during the demonstration. So it's kind of a different team every day. And today it's Miriam. Hello, Hi, Miriam. Hi. What have you just been doing? Um, well, we have a check-off sheet, so as a team we can work through and make sure everything that needs to be done before the show starts has been done, because uh, you don't want to be mid-show and realise that something hasn't been weighed or props haven't been put out in the arena, so it's quite important. So I'm just about to go and um, prepare the stalks, put their telemetry on, give them their food, and uh, yeah, that's my next job. Fantastic, and we'll be meeting those stalks a little bit later on by the looks of it, so yeah. hopefully they're, they're raring and ready to go by then. Hopefully. Good luck, Miriam. Good luck. Okay, shall we go and weigh some birds? Yeah. With our plan in place, we headed up to meet the hooded vultures for their morning weigh-in. Okay, so as we were saying, we need to go and weigh our birds and we weigh all the birds every day that are taking part in the displays, in our experiences, right. so essentially if they're not looking after youngsters or having a bit of a rest for a molt, they get weighed every single day. And we weigh them on these electronic scales. To be difficult, some of the birds get weighed in grams, some of the birds get weighed in pounds and ounces. And ounces. Hello. If you want to come round this way, we've got a little stump to put the scales on, so it's always the same every day, otherwise it gets a little bit rickety. And all you need to do is if you get a little piece of food that we gave you earlier on, just hold it in front of the scales here. <laughs> As you can see, <laughs> already uh, we've got, who have we got here? This is Fagin, who's one of our hooded vultures. We've got f a team of five in here. We've got Fagin, Jack Sparrow, Bonbon, Mighty Mite, and Sundance. And Sundance is the one right at the top there. So hold it. Just hold it near the perch. This is Mighty Mike. That one's going in the back. <laughs> That's it. On the bag. Oh. oh. He's going to steal all your food. He's stolen your food. Um. <laughs> You're a pit, he's a pickpocket. <laughs> well, they're weighing themselves now, Hannah. Oh, there you go. I did that one. Yeah, that was dead easy. What have you got, weight-wise? Is this gra... 3146, it says. 314.6. Okay, so that's three pounds, 14 and a half, there or thereabouts. Let's see if we can get, uh, who's this? This is Bonbon. Let's see if we can get Bonbon to hop up on the scales. <coughs> right, you do have to hold the scales, Hannah. I have to hold the scales? You have to hold the scales, otherwise... I'm a bit worried now. No, it's okay. They're, they're really, really friendly. Okay. Oh, Tom. See, you you get off there. You've broken the scales. It's not going very well so far. They're, really, they're eating off the way. Other way, other way. So, 
that way. Oh, they're eating all your food, <laughs> Hannah. It's, Hannah thought this was easy. <laughs> oh, can you tell this isn't my normal job? It's okay, no one's taking photos yes. of your failures. Right, okay, what have we got? So this is Sundance. You got any food left? I think we've already weighed Sundance. Oh. 3.14 oh. and a half <laughs> or there or thereabouts. So Still we're not very far away from the Honey Vulture Avery. We need to prep one of the big props for the show. Okay. Uh, one of the big parts of the equipment for the Wings of Africa show. Um, without spoiler alert for anybody who's never seen the show before, um, towards the end of the show we simulate a full-on African bushfire. Oh, yes. And so we need to set up the fire. Okay. Now, again, spoilers of behind-the-scenes magic. It's not real fire. Oh, what? It is, however, a smoke machine. So we're going to plug in the smoke well, machine. That giving away too much? That's giving away too much, isn't it? Giving away the mag magic. Giving away the magic, Hannah. This is a did Nature you get a Hoot exclusive. Of me with, the, with them? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, Hannah. I think just to give us a bit of a head start on later on, we're going to go and weigh one of the owls ready okay. for the later display. So again, if you want to bring the, bring scales, the scales with us, we will um, we'll head up to go and see uh, Troy, our tawny owl. Brilliant. Now he he's probably going to be a little bit more forgiving than. Uh, than the hooded vultures who just want to kind of mob you. <laughs> yeah. If, uh, if they think they can get away with pinching a bit of food out the bag, there is a reason that one of them is called Fagin. <laughs> <laughs> he is a fantastic pickpocket. Ah, oh, so I think Troy's actually doing an experience at the moment. Oh, is he? But that's alright, because there's somebody else next door, which is Ennis, the great grey owl. So what I'll do, Exciting. I'm going to give you a glove as well. Okay. Sometimes Ennis likes to just come and land with you because he's very, very friendly. So I'll give you that. And then as he comes towards you, you can just put your glove out. Okay. And again, we don't really want to let him out no. just yet. Oh, hello. Okay, so he's just landed up with you, getting ready to be weighed. He's definitely one of the birds that knows the routine very, very well. So he should be pretty good to weigh. Do you want to see if he'll come back to you? If you give him a little squeak. That's it. That's brilliant. So he's there with you. Hello, Gary. Hey, just checking. Did you see that I dropped the stalks out, if that worked okay for you? Yeah, we're going to be good for stalks out. And if it's all right with you, Hannah is going to come up with me onto the balcony for the hoodeds as well. That's brilliant. No worries. Yeah, I'd put Ruina on it earlier, and then in the middle of my meeting, I remembered that. I needed to put Hannah on there as well, so yeah, that's fine. Maybe between you, you can uh, do that up there anyway. Yeah, I think the more the merrier. Sounds good. Thanks, Gary. Exactly. Yeah. All right. That's brilliant. Thanks, Tom. Gary's just going through the final part of the routine with everybody to make sure everybody's up to speed with what's happening. Because actually, although we do the same shows every day throughout the summer. They do change little bit by little bit because we're always trying to make them better and mm. more exciting and naturally better for the birds, you know. So there's something we can make it easier for them. Um, then, then we'll do that if we can. So we're five minutes to go before the show starts, um, and you can see there's already a oh, bird flying. Sure, yes. yes, we've got um, Victoria, the yep. African fish eagle, out flying. We always like to say that it's nice for people to see a bird before they see one of us. 
So she actually comes out completely um, unattended, if you like. Cedric lets her go from her aviary, follows her, but for two or three minutes there is to all intents and purposes, a wild African fish eagle yeah. flying around in the savannah arena, yeah. um, and it looks really cool. What Cedric's going to encourage her to do, when she's in the right position, is show off that incredible fishing fish eagle behaviour, yeah. which is just dipping their toes underneath the water surface and, and pulling out their reward. Cedric's done now to finish off her routine is to call her back to the glove for the rest of her meal for the day. This really helps to cement the bond between eagle and man in this instance and that's how we work with the birds and uh, I think a lovely way to start the day and that was Victoria, our African fish eagle. Brilliant. Thank you very much Cedric. And Victoria of course. With the show started it was time for Hannah and I to get in position for our vital role in the display. Okay, so... So it's time for... It's time. Who's a vulture time? Are you nervous? Do I need to be ready? Yeah, a little bit. So Do I basically... Need to be ready with the food? Yeah, have a little bit of food in your hand. Okay. So there's going to be two of them and Rowena's going to help us as well. Okay. So Rowena's done this before. Great. So what's going to happen is they're going to come out across the arena. They probably will go down to the buffalo fake buffalo carcass that we've yeah. got because that's a we always put that food in there so that you kind of get that idea of them going down to a carcass and then they're going to want to come up across the audience and come and land on the um on the barrier here and we're just going to give them a little bit of food straight to the beak okay <laughs> oh here they come look straight down to the buffalo as we said they might be which two vultures are these tom Can you tell? Uh, so we should have um sundance who we weighed earlier on twice <laughs> we should have a um, bomb on at the top so if we hold our hand up like this as they look at us then we'll just flag them to the, the perch like that is it coming in yeah give them a flag like that okay here they come here they come oh no it's doing a it's That's okay here comes Sundance straight to his beak lovely might have taken those vultures home now because Gary will build into the next part of the display okay. and you can see their aviary from here can't yeah. you so if they kind of drop down below the the hedge line Don't there then usually they've kind of gone home getting a bit of a reward and we're building into the final part of the show so I think it's probably a good idea for us to get in position to let our next birds out for the end well, of the show oh yeah the storks remember <laughs> so, this is so exciting thanks <laughs> <laughs> We better be quite quick about it as well, okay. actually, because they're some of the next birds out. Sometimes you find yourself running between one thing and another <laughs> because um, obviously the show is always the same, but the team's different. Yep. So sometimes you find that you're the one through the burrowing owl tunnel, you can probably hear around <laughs> us. <laughs> you find yourself doing more than one job. They're very close together, but the two species are at the opposite end of the park. Yeah. So, not always easy so we're going to keep the radio on at this point because we need to hear our cue and that cue will come from Gary because he'll stop commentating let the music play and uh, give the cues for the end of the show just so we can try and get the timing right 
That's our smoke machine we turned on. So we want that gate open. Oh, okay. So they're going to walk out first and then we're going to kind of give them the cue to take off, really. So they walk and then do they take off? Yeah, they somewhere? take off from here and we're hoping that they'll go out over the meadow, do a bit of a circuit. Yeah. And then start to head into the Come arena. Into the arena. Lovely. And we can go stalks whenever you're ready. That's us, Hannah. That's us. Okay. Let's let the stalks out. Both looking keen. Come on then. So here they come. Come on, you guys. So we've got uh, Brandy here and Blossom just in front of us. Gary, both stalks are out, not taking off yet. Here they go! <laughs> Whoa! Randy and Blossom both on the wing, heading over Whitebacks at the moment. That was cool. Yeah. Got a view of them. Brilliant, thank you. Perfect. Well, we don't see them again now. Did he see them straight away? Yeah, he's. Oh, oh, we've oh, just yeah. seen them come through the trees there. We know we did both of our parts of the display to the best of our ability, and the storks made it. To the uh, to the show. Cool. Well, have you enjoyed being a part of the bird team this I morning? I really have. It's been great it's to um, so much kind of show you in on this little bit of the world. I know you've kind of, like you said, done little bits and bobs here and there, but well, um, I've been here for nearly four years and I haven't really properly. Wow, really? Done kind of seen that bird team behind the scenes things. bit. Yeah, so it's really nice. Fantastic. Well. I think, you know, if you get fed up of the CNR <laughs> yeah. stuff, then Might need to come and be a member of the bird team. Weighing skills. Wow, yeah, I'm that comes. Not, not giving up the food away. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Great. You did really, really well. So, so pleased you came for a bit of time out. We, we worked on just the Wings of Africa display that day. Um, we were a bit tight for time, but... Um, yeah, you did You did a good job. Really good. Thank you. I did definitely notice the difference in the personalities between the different hooded vultures. Even just from spending a few hours with them. It was yeah. Fagin, you know, Fagin stealing all the food in the bag. Fagin stealing then, the food. Sundance it, would come up, wouldn't wouldn't he? To come yeah. up to give you some, get some food from you. Yeah. And then Bon Bon would just kind of fly, he was do his circuits. Shy. Yes. Yeah. But Bon Bon, I also weighed Bon Bon how many times? Three? Or oh, no, that was Sundance. Sundance. <laughs> oh, was it Sundance? Uh, yeah, you did. You did. But that's fine. We've got to be sure what they weigh. Yeah, absolutely um, sure. But what did you all think at home? I had a bit of time on the CNR team. Hannah had a bit of time on the bird team. Who did it better? Because we've not got any matter-of-fact challenge this, this no. uh, month. Taking a bit of a break from that. Um, but you can have a bit of a vote as to who did what better if you head over to our social media platforms uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on our Facebook stories as well. Um, oh, do you know, I almost forgot. We haven't revealed uh, our Matter of Fact Challenge winner oh. from last time. Do you know who won? No. <laughs> well, we... have I... Have I got news for you? Was Hannah? it you? I bet it was you. Have I got news for you? Do you know what? I'm looking at Twitter now <laughs> to try and remind myself. Uh, do you know, maybe I should ask Alice. Yeah. Who won? 
Hang on, I'm going to go and ask Alice because I genuinely, I genuinely don't know who won. Uh, <laughs> it was you. You had the painted dogs, didn't you? Which I was going to go for, and then last minute was like, oh, you can't have it because Hannah's already got it. Which that feels enough. like ages ago. And then I did the ants. It was ages ago. We've done a lot since then. Let me. I'm going to ask. Can ask Alice. Everybody, I'll, I'll leave you with leave you with Hannah for a minute. Talk about <laughs> yourselves. That took a while. It did take a while, didn't it? Sorry, that everybody. That took a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is the tension built suitably? <laughs> uh, I can reveal that it was incredibly close. Uh, in fact, we had. Well. I had a total of 66 votes for my uh, my ants. And this was, of course, for best animal yeah. teamwork. So I got 66 teamwork. votes for my ant. Hannah, you got 74 votes for your painted dog. So you yes! have won, which I think... I think puts us more or less in level pegging for the season. So does it? I think so. Brilliant. Uh, and that's kind of it for the matter of fact challenge for Real. for now. Yeah, I think so. I might have to go and listen back, but I I kind of concede that um, the painted dogs were also my first choice. So a very very worthy competitor. Um, so all that's left now yeah. really is for people to decide whether. You are better at being a bird of prey flyer than I am at a bird of prey spotter. Who knows? So that's, that's the, the decider. decider. <laughs> Someone's going to come back who's a real eager listener and go, you know, you've counted this up wrong. But uh, just to build the natural tension, yeah, this is the decider uh, of the series as to whether Hannah is a fantastic falconer or a fantastic member of the bird team. Uh, or I could be CNR. Who do you think did whose job better? Uh, head over to our social media to vote. So we're going to be taking a, a little bit of a break over the next month or so from uh, Nature's a Hoot. So we will be back with you, uh, but not next month. There will be no October episode, I'm afraid, uh, whilst we... Well, whilst we do some of the rest of our job, really. Um, but during that break, uh, please remember to come and visit us. Very excitingly, we've got IVAD, International Vulture Awareness Day, uh, coming up on the 4th of September. It's always the first Saturday of September. Um, so head on to our website to see whether you can grab yourself a last-minute ticket. If not, you can still get involved in the day. Because I think, Hannah, there's going to be a lot going on on social media that day anyway, isn't there? Yeah, we'll have plenty of posts on social media um, and an exciting announcement, actually, very soon for a new project, which we will also be fundraising <gasps> for, but I'm not, I'm not going to give it away. No, don't give it away yet. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll perhaps, we could perhaps talk about that on the next episode we do, whenever that is. Yes. Uh, a little bit of a deeper delve into uh, uh, another conservation project, which we're really, really excited about being... Uh, involved with and, and uh, getting off the ground um, but those who come along to International Vulture Awareness Day will hear a bit about that on the day and will we be putting that out on social media on the day as well? Yeah we're going to announce it on social media um, the week before IVAD and then we'll have a little bit more information about it on the day um, and yeah and for, for visitors we'll have a bit of commentary about it 
to give some information about the actual project during one of our displays as well. Fantastic. So we'll be fundraising for that. Uh, IVAD is a great way that brings people from all around the world together in celebration yeah. of the world's vultures, uh, one of the most threatened groups of birds on planet Earth. And I'm sure everybody who listens to this loves vultures already. But if you don't, uh, why not? Uh, <laughs> and make sure that you learn as much about them as you can on International Vulture Awareness Day. They're awesome, awesome animals. Um, can people get involved in the conversation? Have we got like a hashtag or anything for the day? Um, yep, so they can hashtag, uh, I think it's IVAD2021 or IVAD2021 um, or Love Vultures. Hashtag yeah. Love Vultures. Hashtag, like, hashtag Love Vultures. IVAD2021, hashtag, hashtag Love Vultures. Love Vultures, yeah. Fantastic. Well, we're really looking forward to that and uh, hope you can join us for it. If you can't, obviously still keep in touch with us. Uh, keep a track of all of our content that's going out on social media and, uh, yeah, get involved in the conversation. However, from Hannah and I, for the last time this series, thank you so much for listening. It's lovely to, to hear from you all. If you have enjoyed listening, then maybe consider leaving us a review somewhere online through uh, Google Podcasts. It gives you the ability to leave reviews. Um, so does uh, iTunes as well. Um, if you haven't enjoyed listening to the podcast, uh, please don't write anything at all because we don't want any uh, negative reviews. We love five-star reviews uh, or even four-star reviews. Uh, yeah, it'd be great if you could uh, leave us your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. It's been lovely Thank to you. do another series with you. And uh, yeah, we will see you soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.